On news night tonight, police yet to level charge of murder against six suspects it is holding over the death of a young soldier, Imoro Sharif, whose murder triggered the military invasion of Ashaiman. We have details of the fresh charges as an Ashaiman circuit court denies the accused bail. Also tonight, we'll hear from lawyers of four of the suspects accusing the police of wrongful arrest. And when Yusuf Bwame was taken to the CID headquarters and shown to the one who mentioned his name, the same person who mentioned the name Mohammed said, no, this is not the Mohammed I'm talking about. Members, member of parliament for Shaman, meanwhile, is calling on the attorney general to ensure swift prosecution of the case. We all know the our justice system. That's why I'm saying that we need the attorney general to be swift, that the courts should be swift on this matter so that the perpetrators can't be punished. Also tonight, public health nurses aggressively calling on mothers whose babies lost out on the mandatory vaccinations due to the nationwide shortage to come for the shots before the six weeks window elapses. We are all urging all mothers around to just take the opportunity and then troop in, especially those who weren't able to get their previous vaccines. We've told them to ask mothers in their communities who are due for the polio, but when they came, there was shortage so that they bring them. But can government sustain this supply? Listen to some mothers. I want to tell them it's very necessary for our children. So anytime it's short, they should bring it for us. And in business, Finance Ministry approves funds for coupon payment and principals on bonds excluded from the domestic debt exit program to be paid. But bondholders' accounts are yet to be credited as at 5 p.m. today. And in sports, Indiana Stars open a five-point gap at the top in the Ghana Premier League while the Cry Lions hope to close that gap tonight. And later, the minority in Parliament are demanding investigations into claims by former Environment Minister Professor Frimpon Boating, the persons within the MPP government and the Jubilee House are involved in Galamse. There was an orchestrating scheme, even within the party and the government. To get you out. To get you out. The party people who are there, people in the government, including Jubilee House, who are doing Galamse and so on, even now. We have details. And then in our latest hotline documentary, we'll tell you how close to 200,000 gas cylinders are locked up in a cylinder manufacturing company under the government's flagship policy, the one district, one factory. So now, if you come to our factory, you should be shocked. We are now getting to almost close to 200,000 cylinders. We cannot send one out. Plus your views, of course, 55 All that after this. Every morning you the tear calls they browse actually something they day. Hey, God, the way town make hot. I grow best one if you no If it be you where you get Vodafone one Ghana promo them out. 20 minutes talk time to call all networks where you start get get and quite one gig from 5 a.m. to 11:59 a.m. Bye. Anka, you go do pass me self and you dial star five three zero hash. Make we enjoy. You go please subscribe as many times as you want. Yeah. Yo, sweet Amma, take this by Vodafone One Ghana Bando. Moku vibe plus video calls and taste. You catch the vibe. Early morning, 5 a.m. sharp. Vodafone, further together.
in honor of valuable contributions and services to the Republic of Ghana, in recognition of resilience and can-do spirit of our people, the Government of Ghana presents the National Honors and Awards 2023, a special edition dedicated to honoring our COVID-19 heroes, gallant frontline individuals and organizations whose distinguished sacrifices ensured the preservation of lives and our population during the pandemic. President Nana Adudankwe Kufuado will, on behalf of the people of Ghana, decorate deserving citizens with the highest national honors of merit, including the Order of the Volta, Companion and Member Divisions, Grand Medals, and other special awards for their meritorious services, leadership, and innovation. A glittering ceremony of pride and gratitude on Tuesday, 14th March, 2023, at the Accra International Conference Center. Guests must be seated by 1 p.m. National Honors and Awards 2023. Our heroes, our pride. You're live, your news tonight is on Joy 99.7 FM. I'm waiting to hear from you on the story you've already had uh, on the top story, uh, the story around the complaints by the Ga Mancha that the Ga Dangwe people are being sidelined. And then also you've heard a bit uh, from the former Greek minister who today has been delivering a speech as he is part of his campaign to lead the MPP into the 2024 elections. We'll have more on that particular story shortly and speak to uh, his spokesperson and I'll interrogate a bit more of what he's been saying today but first despite holding six persons over the death of young soldier Imoro Ibrahim no charge of murder has been filed by the police just yet his murder triggered a, a military invasion of Ashaiman last week rather tonight we are learning charges bordering on robbery and dishonestly receiving have been leveled against accused persons. The six today made their first appearance in court. Two of them were named in an official police statement as persons who attacked the deceased soldier with the aim of stealing his phone and backpack. Here are details of the police statement. Sheriff Yamoro's death hit his family very hard. A small boy, 21 years old boy. You know the suffered we suffered for this boy before he entered the abyss. Then just some few, some few hours to finish the boy for us. While they asked for justice, they were equally concerned about the narrative that had been pushed regarding his movements that night. They knew he was on a course as he had visited on two previous occasions. It in the first time or by. Came the first time. On the second occasion, this was to be his third visit. Some of the things people are saying about him are unfortunate. I cried for several hours. I later heard he struggled with them and knocked on doors, asking for help, but got no help. I am told he kept shouting that he is not a thief, but they didn't leave him alone, and no one helped him. The police has some answers. The statement says that on March 3, Sherry visited a female friend at a shaman at about 10.30 p.m. He said to have left the place at 1.30 a.m. on March 4. Two of the suspects, Samuel Tete and Abakar Siddiq, are alleged to have attacked him at about 1.45 a.m. in an attempt to rob him of his phone and backpack. Sheriff is said to have resisted and struggled with the suspects. He was stabbed in the arm as the suspects made away with his phone. 
four other persons are being held either because they received a stolen phone or sold it to other suspects. It is worth noting that all six suspects were arrested starting from 9th March and ending on 12th March. This means arrest took place 48 hours after a military team raided parts of Ashaiman in search of suspects. It is unclear how the military exercise impacted what the police say is an intelligence-led operation that resulted in the arrest of the suspects from various hideouts. We are now learning a bit more from the court documents we've managed to secure. Court correspondent Joseph Akable is on the line with me. First, Joseph, what more do we know about these accused persons? And so the first accused person, Samuel Tete, we know he's 20 years old and unemployed. Uh, the second accused person, Abubakar Sadiq, is also 20, but he's a scrap dealer. Then the third accused person, Ibrahim Abdurakib, also a scrap dealer. The fourth accused person, Safiano Musa, trader, and the two others remaining are Yusuf Mohammed, a scrap dealer, and finally Abdul Gafaru Abdul Karim, he's a driver. I mean, just to be clear, I mean, the documents we've seen confirms that none of these individuals have been charged with murder yet, although we know that's what triggered this whole military invasion of Ashaiman and the military in one of the cases uh, telling one of the victims who was brutalized that uh, when the man was being killed, they didn't come out to assist. What are the specific charges? And so for Samuel Tete and Abubakar Sadiq, the first two accused persons, they have been slapped with a charge of conspiracy to commit crime, namely robbery and also the substantive offense of robbery itself. Uh, now the remaining four, they are facing the charge of dishonestly receiving. And yes, we can confirm that they have not been charged with murder. I mean, what about this mobile phone that they alleged to have attempted to steal, in fact, actually stole? Has it been sold already to somebody? So that is the role that was played by the remaining four. And so the first two accused persons, that is Samuel Tete and Abubakar Sadiq, are the ones who are said to have accosted the soldier. Now the remaining four, that part of the fact sheet here, it says that we are told that uh, the phone was sold, that is after the two had stolen the phone, they sold it to Ibrahim Abdul Rakib at an amount of 300 cities. Ibrahim Rakib subsequently sold the phone to Safiano Musa, alias Dayogu for 350 cities. Safiano Musa, however, Safiano was not cooperating with the police as to where the phone ended up, and he claims to have sold it to uh, the other accused person, Yusuf Mohammed, for an amount of 500 cities, and later to Abdul Gafaru Abdul Karim. And so at least on four occasions, the phone was sold right from when it was stolen. It's unclear what type of phone this was. It was not stated in the court documents that we have seen so far. But any idea why that murder charge hasn't been filed yet? And so our sources have given two explanations. The first one is the fact that investigations are ongoing. Uh, the second leg of it is a practical legal challenge that they are faced with. Uh, their argument is that in the event there will be leveling charges of, of murder against some of these accused persons, it will mean that they would have to do the indictment at the district court. Whereas the offense of robbery and dishonestly receiving, which they intend to level against the remaining accused persons, that would have to take place either at the circuit court or the high court. And so the concern really is that it will have to mean that it will have to be either be a parallel trial of sorts because the two processes cannot be taking place at the same time in the same court. And so that is the practical difficulty that it presents. But the main issue now is the fact that investigations are ongoing. And when it gets to the level where they need to make any changes, they will do that. Or perhaps there could be a different arrangement for that particular process. The lawyer for the accused persons has been speaking. You, you've been talking to him. He holds a different view on what has happened. And so he specifically represents the four other accused persons. That is 
the other four who were not they didn't accost the soldier and he says that even one of the accused persons is a case of mistaken identity we can listen to him caring for only four of them that is um, a3 to a6 specifically and their charges are simply dishonestly received and, and so let no one go out here carrying the information that my clients a3 to a6 were charged for murder no there's no iota of evidence brought to the court today to even warrant charging my clients with the offense of murder. Not even the robbery that the first and second accused persons were charged. So my client was simply charged for the offense of this unnecessary receiving. And it's simply because the police or the prosecution is saying that some of the foods believed to be owned by the late Sheriff Emuru were sold to my clients. And this is a situation that any of us can fall victim to, especially if you don't buy foods from the shops. You can be there, they will come and sell any item to you. That is what is landing them in this situation. But let no one take them as murderers. No. You placed an application for bail for them by the court. Yeah, we, we knew from the onset that it was going to be a tough one. Remember, this case has so much public interest in it. And so on the first day, it's always difficult to get bail. But that will not close us or close the doors on us. We would be here again on the 27th to repeat our bail application. We have pointed to the court that clearly, clearly, when you look at especially uh, Yusuf Mohammed, who is A5, the fifth accused person, his name was brought up in the issue first by one of the accused persons, that is A4, Safiano. When Safiano gave the name Mohammed, and you know, if they say Mohammed, anybody can be Mohammed. Is that it? And so, and this Mohammed, the fifth accused person, is a very popular guy. And so, the police relied on the intelligence from Ashama here, and they came to pick the A5, who is also Yusuf Mohammed. And when Yusuf Barma was taken to the CID headquarters and shown to the one who mentioned his name, the same person who mentioned the name Mohammed said, no, this is not the Mohammed I'm talking about. And he gave you the right Mohammed. And you have gone for the person. So logic required that you release the wrong person. Is that not it? And that's a lawyer for four of the accused persons, Abdu Fatau, speaking to uh, my colleague Joseph Akable earlier. But uh, at the heart of this is the tragic murder of that military officer uh, in Moro. And we can now speak to his uncle, uh, Ahmed Abdu Rahman, who joins us on the telephone line right now. Thank you, sir, for your time here on Newsnight. Hello, Mr. Rahman. Hello. Thank you for your time on Newsnight. Thank you. So I'm pretty sure you know now that the police have made some progress. They believe they have caught the suspects who are responsible for the murder of your of, of your of your relative. Uh, um, I, I wonder if that offers the family any comfort in these difficult times. Hello. Yes, sir. It's not Mr. Raman. It's Mr. Raman's younger brother. Okay. Audu Imuru, the father of Imuru Sheriff. Thank you very much. Does that, offer, does that offer any comfort to the family at all? Please come back in. Does that offer any comfort to the family that you know that the police say they have arrested uh, some of the suspects? Yes. Yesterday, around uh, 15 hours, 15 hours, uh, 15, uh, 13 MP hours, that uh, this Ashama district commander, including the original commander of police, they came to visit the family. When they came, they said that they were sent by the IGC to come and 
tells us that they have got all those who are involved in the failure of human resources. So they came and said, they said they, when they came, they said, we are the first people that they inform us. So when we get it on you so that it didn't bring any deceptive to us. So they came and informed us before they released the Okay, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, at least that's the, the, the family there uh, properly duly informed, even before the rest of the world got to know about it. Tonight, the member of parliament for the area, uh, Mr. Nogbe, uh, Ernest Nogbe, has uh, issued a statement asking for swift prosecution of the case. Mr. Nogbe, thank you for your time uh, here on News Night. Um, as we speak tonight, uh, the police have uh, taken the individuals to court. We know they haven't charged them with murder just yet. Um, you are asking for swift prosecution. I, does that mean that uh, what you asked for before, which is that the parliament itself should look into the uh, brutalities that were meted out by the military, uh, are you abandoning that course and focusing on the prosecution? Well, thank you very much and good evening to you and your listeners. You know, that the cases are two. The, the military invasion and brutalities molestation is one. And the killing of the innocent soldier is another. <clears throat> so when I asked the AG to expedite action on the justice delivery system, especially for this matter, I'm referring to that of the killers, those that were arrested. And uh, the bipartisan committee uh, should be uh, for the uh, victims of the molestation and the brutalities. Uh, so. All that I want the AG to do under these circumstances is to make sure that the, the, the system uh, operates faster as usual. You know, you can bear with me that most at times cases of this nature may go to court and may be languishing there for almost two, three, four years, five years. Something happened in 2016 or 2015 where uh, an MP was murdered. As you speak now, justice is still not served. But in this case, I want justice to be served as quickly as possible so that the families of the deceased soldier may also be at peace. What about the uh, initial suggestion that you'll be filing a case with charge? Have you done so? And we, are still, we are still on it. We will still do that. We've not done it yet, but we are collecting the data. The lawyers are working as seriously to petition charge. And that, has, that is also in relation to the victims of the molestation, of the innovation. And that is what we are doing about that. And you are part of the Defence and Interior Committee in Parliament. You're scheduled to visit the community again on Thursday. Uh, I, I wonder what the has the objective for that visit changed, seeing that significant progress has been made already in the arrest of these uh, individuals uh, and prosecutions have started. Well, I'm not sure. The committee is not coming to Ashiama because of the 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 the, the uh, killers of the uh, soldier no the the defense and committee is coming to ashama because of the brutalities meted uh, to innocent uh, residents of ashama especially what happened on the seventh or the, at the dawn of seven as for the arrest of the criminals it was in the bosom of the police which they have done now which i commend them of the the uh, IGP himself was on the ground midnight. Midnight, he was in Ashama to effect the the arrest. And so I commend them, the IGP, that my regional commander, the Ashama divisional commander, and then the district commander, they 
they did a human job to arrest the perpetrators. And that is all the more reason why I was saying initially that the military nearly mad their work. Because their modus operandi is always different from that of the military. They gather intelligence and do target arrest. But not just to enter into a community and start molesting innocent citizens uh, for, for, for no reason. Thank you very much, Anders Nogbert. Nogbert is a member of parliament for Ashaiman. He's also a member of the Defence and Interior Committee. So listen to News Night on Joy, 99.7 FM. Well, after months of shortage, the much-needed childhood vaccines are here and some babies who missed out on the vaccination shot, particularly for uh, measles, polio and BCG today, have finally gotten shots, uh, particularly in the greater Accra region. The Ghana Health Service took delivery of the first badge of the, of the uh, vaccines Saturday, where they're showing to get more uh, in the coming weeks. Until then, the current stock is expected to last for about six weeks, and you uh, need to take your child, your baby, uh, to any of these clinics to get the shots before the uh, six weeks expires. Before we hear from uh, the mothers, listen to the Director General of the Ghana Health Service, uh, Patrick Kumabwaje, on the latest stock expected to last for six weeks. So we normally have 10 vaccines that are used for 13 diseases across Ghana. Three of them were in short supply. That is the o OPV, BCG, and the measles rubella uh, vaccine. We have received quantities of the three complement what we are doing and then the first bag that arrived we are hoping that the rest will join coming very soon we are moving all the supplies to the regions and the facilities the doses that are available is enough for at least a minimum of six weeks across the country whilst the others are brought in so we have enough doses to cover our need for the next six weeks well some mothers have already taken their babies for shots today and odami uh, has been around my colleague and reports that uh, more mothers have been urged to send their babies for the shots. You monitor some health centers here in Accra. It's a little over 9 a.m. here at the Adabraka Polyclinic and I've been told by the public health nurse here at the Child Welfare Clinic that about 15 parents, 15 mothers I should say, have already been here to vaccinate their children against any of the childhood killer diseases. And the parents, she told me, are excited. I spoke to one of them, Mamiesi, and she's overjoyed, but then she had a caution for government. This is the place where your child will be vaccinated when you come. All the vaccines that were in short supply this morning, they received all of them. Public health nurse Patricia is urging parents to bring their children. We are all urging all mothers around to just take the opportunity and then troop in, especially those who weren't able to get their previous vaccines. Please, we urge them to join any facility around them nearby and then take their vaccines just to protect the kids also. We are heading over to the Mamubi Polyclinic to also ascertain how parents are gathering to vaccinate their children. Mothers here at the Mamubi General Hospital are reiterating the same things that mothers at the Adabraka Polyclinic said. They say they do not want to experience the anxiety and uncertainty they had to deal with when the vaccines were in short supply. Last month, I came here and 
Uh, the nurse said uh, the polio is finished. So she gave us uh, the next date, 13th of this month. That's today. So we came here to take it, and I'm very happy. I want to tell them it's very necessary for our children. So anytime it's short, they should bring it for us. Oh, time I'm not as short. Now I'm one interesting thing happening here at the Mamubi General Hospital is how the public health nurses are urging the mothers who have come for the vaccines today to also go tell their friends, their fellow mothers, that the vaccines are in so they should come. It's a rigorous campaign ongoing here and the superintendent is Awopokwa. Oh, as for Mamubi, we were fortunate to have the vaccines with the exception of polio. And now uh, today, too, the, the, the disease control officer just arrived with the polio. So even mothers who were living, we called them back and dropped the polio. And we've told them to ask mothers in their communities who are due for the polio. But when they came, there was shortage so that they bring them. If not, the next month when they come for the next appointment, we'll drop the polio. We are very excited because with this since if the babies... They didn't get it. We know what happens. Huh? There will be outbreak. So now that the polio has arrived, 100% happy. For Joy News, I am Hannah Odami. Well, areas in the north and the Volta regions are expected to begin vaccination tomorrow. Uh, joining us on the line now is a national president of the Pediatric Society of Ghana, Dr. Uh, Deby Apea. Uh, also joining us is the uh, spokesperson for the health ministry, Isaac Balfair. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for your time here. Uh, Mr. Fair? Hello. Great to have you uh, join us. So uh, the vaccines are in. Uh, lasting uh, six weeks, you have the three that was in short supply. Um, you are expecting more to coming from what we hear. Any idea when the remainder will come in to have a full complement? Uh, good evening and uh, good evening to your, to your chariot uh, listeners. And what I will say from the ministry's point is that we are expecting the balance Hopefully this week and next week, that will have enough vaccines to support what we already have now, and we are assuring that the shortage would never happen again, because we all know what has happened, what led to this particular crisis that we have got. And so within this week and next week, we do not receive that quantity of vaccines. They, last Thursday, when they had a minister was speaking on Calabria, he made mention of we should expect the basket within two maximum. Hopefully and thankfully with the first consignment last Saturday. This week we are expecting another consignment. Hopefully next week we will have another consignment. And when we have those consignments, we are hoping that the whole of this year will have it more and maybe um, and the minister yesterday, last week, when he addressed Parliament, uh, admitted, yeah, there were challenge, uh, funding challenges, but also uh, the procurement issues was also key. What specifically um, is the ministry doing to ensure this doesn't happen again? 
Yes, what um, we know is that um, the procurement issues we are talking about, the funding issues we are talking about, and then that is one of the reasons why we are making sure that this time around, whatever experience we had from this particular situation, we are going to implement those experiences going forward that will make sure that it will never happen again. One, we are talking about upside of uh, all the, the city depreciation that has taken place. You and I are aware that uh, there have been a number of issues regarding uh, natural health transmission of funds to the Ministry of Health. All those funds have been transmitted in Ghana cities. Now we'll look at that. Meanwhile, we're going to procure the vaccines. It should be in foreign currency. So changing from uh, Ghana city to dollar became another issue for us to handle. And so we are planning ahead of time so that issues like this will never happen again. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Adebi Apia is with me, and uh, he is the president of the national press. He's a national president of the Pediatric Society of Ghana. Uh, doc, so now the vaccines are in, but we know before they arrive, we've had a measles outbreak. I wonder whether, from the Pediatric Society of Ghana's point of view, you want a prioritization of the in the distribution of the of the vaccines that arrived over the weekend. Yes, thank you very much, Evan. Uh, let me uh, extend my uh, the society's greetings and appreciation to the general public and also all who supported us come this far. Uh, we take note of the effort of the government in ensuring that we have the vaccines, especially the president stepping in to acknowledge the problem. The minister also asking for advocacy on the part of all of us. And this is where we all want to be, where we all can chip in and help uh, address such health issues that affect everybody and can have uh, major repercussions. Uh, back to your question, uh, in terms of whether uh, we are prioritizing. Yes, I think oh, that's we what should need to prioritize. Yes. Um, at this point in time, I can confirm from our uh, members in the northern region where the outbreak was hit the most, they were hit the most, that they have actually also received their vaccines. And just like you said, we are going to start rolling out. So um, with knowing the technical people on the ground and what they have done before, I know they are really going to hit the ground uh, running and working just like we heard from Adabraka and Mamubi. And other parents will also have the relief that uh, we experienced. I sense from those I heard uh, talking about because they were anxious. They were, they were, there was anxiety in the air. And this is where we want to be. Uh, thanks. And very quickly, for, for parents with babies who, who contracted measles, um, this is a vaccine, so it won't cure you. What should they do now? Uh, Yes, so in terms of vaccination, which is a passive introduction of the uh, virus or the causative agent so that the body builds immunity. When it comes to the immunity that is lasting, most diseases will require or will need the vaccination to be added to. So even the child has had an infection, we still need to go back to the immunization centers and then have the child vaccinated or immunized against the disease. 
and it's not only against measles. There are other uh, vaccines that must be given at any particular point. So we recommend, Pediatric Society uh, recommend that we resume every missed opportunity. Those who have missed immunization vaccination, they should go for the vaccination. And the second thing is that this must be documented so that we have proof that the child is really protected. Uh, we've been if vaccinated and the child is really pro- protected against uh, measles and other diseases. You know, it's not only about other diseases. And I'm sure you 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 want me. I mean, uh, you 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 are happy with you'll be okay with my answers. But let me reiterate. Uh, since you brought the outbreaks in here, the fact that we still have more than 80 percent of patients whose samples were taken for diagnostic confirmation that have not been confirmed. We are appealing to the government, the minister again, to ensure that the laboratories are equipped with the resources to be able to confirm the diagnosis of measles or other diseases that uh, is associated with what is going on. This will help the clinicians effectively manage cases. So we are asking government to put in resources to help manage the effect or the consequence of the, uh, the shortages, which is the outbreak. And what you need to remember is that the outbreaks are not going to end overnight. It's going to take months before we get on top of the measles, uh, the outbreaks that we are seeing. So we need to resource the hospitals to be able to handle this so that we don't come back here again discussing the consequences. This is the time for the government to do that. It's unfortunate that we have to spend a hard-earned money again looking for laboratory equipment. It's all because we couldn't buy the, or we did not buy the vaccines. But now we have to manage both. We have bought the vaccines, but we need to also manage the outbreaks, ongoing outbreaks. Thank, thank you. Nora. Thank you. Thank you very much, Doc, Dr. Uh, Adebi Apia. He is a national president of the Pediatric Society of Ghana. So, if a child had measles and you're wondering what to do, the, the, the Pediatric Society of Ghana's advice is just take them for the shots as well, whilst you treat them uh, for that infection. Um, if you're listening, a parent with a baby, please make your way to the nearest clinic as soon as possible and vaccinate your child. So listening to News Night on Joy 99.7 FM after business, I'll share with you some of your thoughts on the stories we've done so far. And George is here. George, the finance ministry, they told the world we should expect uh, payments to be processed by the 13th of March yeah. for all coupons yeah. and yeah. Uh, principals, principals that have matured due. last month. Yeah. For those who did not sign on to the domestic program, today's the 13th. Yeah. Uh, what's the verdict? Well, well, as at 5 p.m. and even checking with some of the bondholders, uh, they haven't had their account creditors as required in terms of the final. So you can say payment has been done when you have received your money, True. whether the process has started or not. What we are picking up is that the necessary funds clearance had been done at the ministry as far back as last Friday. We don't know why still these accounts have not been credited and we'll be getting more details in business. Also, the Ghana Revenue Authority justifies recent tax assessments on multinationals operating in the country, insisting it complies with best international practice. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Allianz Live and Ghana Pay. Meow, <laughs> 
Hey, see the plenty money you are carrying this early morning. Are they? Mm, Charlie, he'll you some more. he you do what? As for you, you wait and listen to all the information before you start carrying money up and down like we are in 1995. The he there, it has come. But you know, MTN will always find a way to sort you out. Ah, sort me out, Sensei. Oh, so you don't know that when you transfer money between your personal accounts, cash in and cash out at agent points, buy airtime or data, pay bills, receive remittance from abroad, or even pay taxes, there are no e-levy charges? Hey, we are sure. Listen, there are a number of transactions you can perform with your MTM Momo that are not affected by the e-levy tax rule. Hmm. And there's even more, cra. Remember your first 100 Ghana City transfer for the day is free too. Hey, not me anymore. <laughs> now, dear, you know. There are a number of transactions you can perform with your MTN Momo that are not affected by the e-levy tax. So keep enjoying the security and convenience with MTN Momo and make payments on the go with MTN Momo. MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you inform them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 14 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Committee 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase KNUSD Campus, UC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764101 Story four bedroom detached houses at Ubuju East Legon near American House. Our office complexes include Zion House, Shiashi East Legon, Zion House, Sofa Line Interchange, Kumase. Our offices and apartments are for both rental and outright purchases at affordable prices and with flexible payment terms. Kindly contact us on 0257-960-919 or visit BOTproperties.com. BOT Properties, the new meaning of affordable luxury. Keys. What could be simpler than a key? Who doesn't have a key? A car key, an office key, a draw key. But there's one key that rules them all. The house key. The key to a place we call home. The key to the home where everything comes together. The key to a home that is our own. A home where we make life happen with our families and loved ones. Adoha has been working hard for over 30 years to make home ownership within reach for many. Say yes to property with Adoha. 
Your dream home is one call away. Your dream home is a few clicks away. Visit our Accra project, The Place, by calling 030-27-89757. You're welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Now, Finance Ministry is set to have approved funds for coupon payments and principals on bonds that didn't participate in the domestic debt exchange program. But why are bondholders yet to have their monies in their accounts as at 5 p.m. today? There's more in this report. Joy Business is learning that the finance minister, Ken Uforiata, as at last Friday, approved the funds that will be used to settle the coupon payments and principals. These are monies that will go directly to bondholders that did not participate in the domestic debt exchange program. These payments are targeted at bonds that matured last month. However, as at 5 p.m. today, these bondholders have not had their accounts credited with the necessary payments. Sources at the Ministry of Finance say the challenge can be linked to the Bank of Ghana doing the necessary diligence before any payments are made. The Finance Ministry insists they were committed to working with the March 13, 2023 deadline and the necessary measures were put in place for the payments to be made. The Ministry of Finance also insists any delay in making the payments would not be as a result of not having the required monies to pay the bondholders. Joy Business Sources adds that a letter had already been dispatched to the Bank of Ghana for them to start making the payments today. Some capital market players have also told Joy Business normally these settlements are done in closing hours of the day. But if the accounts of these bondholders are not indeed credited today, what will this mean for government when it comes to issues of credibility after it promised that the payments will be made by March 13? Some have also argued that if the Ministry of Finance had started the process a bit earlier, as of this morning, all accounts would have been credited. And that is the business tax report. Now, the Ghana Revenue Authority has justified tax assessment carried out on multinationals operating in the country. The authority has come under some serious criticisms of work done on some firms operating in the extractive sectors and the telecom industry as well. This was after it withdrawn the tax assessment running into millions of dollars on MTN. Talu Oil has also moved their concerns to the international arbitration in London. Commissioner General of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Dr. Amisha Dawusama noted that even though he would not comment on the specific MTN and Talu issue, their work done on the entire industry complies with best international practice. If you all come to some things like um, transfer pricing, yeah. as well as, as to allowable transactions or deductions, there may be some certain transactions that uh, taxpayer in the past have treated it as funds that can be transferred. Yeah. But when you come to know this one, basically it constitutes part of your revenue. Mm. And so you have to add it back. And when you do these assessments, and we come out with the final assessment, it's important for us to understand that increasingly, GRA, for that matter, government, is giving opportunity for taxpayers to be able to use this. Regress their that's what they raise questions at. Yes. What, went, what happened in the MTN case when you came out with your assessment and you had to withdraw it again? Doesn't mean that GI was not doing a good work. I think that as far as the tax authority is concerned, we have we have to behave professionally, mm. and by the laws of the country, cannot take up one on one in terms of specific taxpayers mm. and discuss it mm. in the mm. in, in, in public, mm. and therefore I am unable to mm. talk 
assessed wrongly or something? No, I, I think that the issue about having been assessed wrongly is not a question of wrongly. Mm. It's a question of objection. Mm. First, you should understand the process. When a taxpayer is uh, assessed, there's the reason opportunity to interact and discuss. We have the opportunity, once the assessment is raised, to be able to object to the assessment. There is a decision that can be made by the Commissioner General as far as assessment is concerned. And then if the taxpayer is not satisfied, you can move on. Commissioner General of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Dr. Amishadai Owusuamua. Now, hoteliers are raising questions about how the Ghana Water Company is implementing the new tariffs levels for water. It follows the margin of increasing the tariffs implemented by the company. The hoteliers want the public utilities regulatory authority to move in quickly to save the hotels. So let me give you uh, an example. So for a company that receives, say, uh, two, three, three consumption, when you uh, multiply, sorry, one and eight consumption, multiply by the 30, the consumption is 5,940. As against the one in January, which was multiplied by the 11.219. So when we checked, there's been an actual increase in tariff of 167%. 167%. Over the tariff in January, waiting yeah. on the PRC to come and announce that there's been a major mistake in the tariff adjustment for us and correct it. Dr. Edward Akanyameke is the president of the Ghana Hoteliers Association of Ghana, is pressing his thoughts there. And uh, George, it, big story in the U.S. The uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, yeah. went under yeah. over the weekend. It's uh, put a lot of uh, central banks on notice now. Yeah. yeah, and the Bank of Ghana, if you go to their website, has released a document about the role of the Bank of Ghana in the financial intermediation industry. And if you go through that statement released by the Bank of Ghana, it indicates that it will continue to effectively regulate and supervise the uh, financial institutions towards promoting safety and soundness of the institutions and ensuring, ensuring stability of the banking industry with the ultimate objective of protecting depositors' funds. It also argued that in promoting and maintaining stability of the financial system, the Bank of Ghana continues to collaborate with other financial regulators in the country. That is, the Financial Stability Council that was established to bring these regulators together. That is, the National Insurance Commission, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the National Pensions Regulatory Authority with the financial services sector. So they are giving some assurance that they are working with all these players to protect this industry and even one critical thing is the protection of depositors' funds. Yes, it is. Uh, George, thank you very much. And a few of your messages now on our uh, social media platforms I want to share with you, particularly on um, on Twitter. That's pardon me, on, uh, on our WhatsApp console. Uh, I'll share with that with you in a in second um, here on the news. I see many of you joining us with your thoughts. I would share that with you shortly. Now, close to 200,000 gas cylinders are locked up in a cylinder manufacturing company uh, under government flagship policy, the one district, one factory. The factory uh, located at Ewutu Breku in the central region is facing foreign competition that has grounded its operations. Managers of the factory are livid over what they describe as government's inertia towards the growth of local companies. Here are excerpts of our latest hotline documentary, One District, One Factory. Most of the one district, one factories 
are not limited to Casadriopa and Petersfield and Ray Group Limited. There are dozens of such factories across the country that are in the same state as the ones in the central region. Ghana has been importing cylinders for many years. But this huge importation of cylinders should have changed with the establishment of the cylinder manufacturing company located in the Ewutu Breku district. So immediately we began our operations and we put our price out. This problem of import substitution, most of the people who were then importing immediately then decided to shift towards us. The patronage of the cylinders was huge, but today the company is out of business. Philip Asifwa is the CEO of the company. So now if you come to our factory, oh, you'll be shocked. We are now getting to almost close to 200,000 cylinders. We cannot send one out because of what these guys are doing. These Chinese, they just came in, took over the market, cut the price down, and probably they are doing this for some time. So they've re they realize that the Ghanaian factories are, have died down. A nation supposed to be there for its people. China developed their country, they blocked everybody, and they developed their country. Deliberate policies, protecting themselves, and making sure they got to where they are. Now they are rich, and they are now hitting us. We cannot continue to talk about level playing field. Because what they are doing, this is a direct attack on us, in our own country. Very, my brother, if you come to the factory, you'll be shocked. You'll see the cylinders plenty. We can't take them out. And workers are working. We have to let them go home. This was a factory commissioned by the president just about two months ago. And that's uh, our latest hotline documentary. It airs later tonight uh, on the Joy News channel at 8.30 p.m. Uh, and also at 8.30 a.m. on the Super Morning Show tomorrow. It is one district, some factories. And the man who uh, was behind that documentary is with me in the studio, uh, Kojo uh, Nyako. Also with me is uh, Kofi Jay with the uh, our uh, desk, reset desk. Kojo, so what did you find broadly? Because this was just an ex an excerpt from the documentary. Well, so we found uh, factories uh, that have been funded, but they are not operating. So if you look at the Ministry of Trade website, you will find out that they have categorized them into three uh, factories that are in operation, factories that are under construction, and factories that are in the pipeline. But what we found on the ground was that these factories that they say are in operation, they are actually not operating. And it is not only restricted to the central region alone. We've toured the entire country and uh, also success stories. I mean, you can find the likes of Ekunfi and the others. And so that is what we are hoping to find when we tune in. Okay, so tonight, tonight's, uh, this is part one. Yes. It focuses on what? Uh, the pattern focuses on factories that are struggling, factories that have received funding, and they say that um, they've been starved of funds by Exim Bank, the financiers of the policy. And so that is what we are hoping to see. They are not uh, in operation at all. They have been shut down. And so they are hoping that there will be some intervention for them too. Okay. And then the part two? The part two week? would also tell some factories that are still struggling and they will tell some success stories and they will also receive government responses through the Ministry of Trade. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Kojo and, and Kofi. Uh, talking about this, one of the things we've been doing is also tracking government's own accounting when it comes mm. to how many factories have been completed operational and it's in the process of completion. We find some discrepancies in the uh, accounting numbers and the numbers that the government have been putting out, both in the budget and what the president said last week in the State of the Nation address. So since 2021, we've seen three updates. 
first one is from the finance minister in November 2021 when he gave the 2022 budget. He said 278 factories, that's the total number of you know factories uh, so far as the project is concerned. Under construction, we had 172 out of the 278. Operational, 106. Then in July um, 25th, 2022, the same finance minister reported that the total number of factories had increased from 278 to 296. Operational had increased from 120, uh, 172 to 171. Decrease rather. Then we had, op- uh, sorry, operational one, has increased from 106 to 125. Operational, what, which means that they've been set up and they're functioning. They're functioning. So let, let, the timelines are important. Okay, so, so the, the first number was when? So we have November 2021. November 2021. Which document was this? This is the 2022 budget. Okay. Read by the finance minister. And and what number was was it the finance minister? Operational was 106. 106. 106. Exactly. And and then in the State of the Nation address? So he he gave, uh, so the president actually gave the State of the Nation address on March 8th. And he said operational is still 108. But here's what we find interesting. So the finance minister said the total number of factories were 278. Now, when the president gave the State of the Nation address, he said they are 254. Okay, so that's so a we reduction. find a difference between the last update in July and the president's update. But I'm curious about mm-hmm. the discrepancy we found between those that were operating mm-hmm. uh, as of the budget and what the president said. So here's the thing. As of the media budget, when the finance minister read the media budget, operational was 125. 125. Then the president came to give the State of the Nation address and operational is now 106. Okay, so but that that's very curious because as of the media budget review, there were more factories, factories. In, operation. in operation. And then just this month, there are less less factories factories in operation exactly i mean what can what accounts for that i mean because the clearly discrepancy there is it that some of the factories stopped operating in the last six months so even under construction factories under construction it has decreased from the july 171 now to 148 okay so so we assume that so we are, we're building 171 factories as of last year maybe exactly and then this year we are constructing less 148. So but we are assuming that, that is hard to explain. Exactly. We are assuming that maybe they are now operational, but we see the figure but reducing it should, from yeah. 125 now to 106. Okay. A lot of questions there. Thank you very much uh, for that. Let's do sports now. And Ms. Bao joins us with the latest. Well, yes, Ivan. Uh, it's the Ghana Premier League that uh, is taking center stage tonight. And the ongoing at the Craftsport Stadium is the game between Accra Lions and Dreams FC. Currently half time. And of course, Accra Lions are currently second in the league table, five points behind Ediana FC, having gone four games without defeat and unbeaten. This is second round with two consecutive away wins and one draw. Well, uh, despite this, uh, Hat of Folk also managed a draw against BBNE Gold Stars and uh, seven points adrift first place at Diana. But assistant coach David Oklo is confident the team's title hopes aren't over. Uh, initially, I told you we're going to fight hard and take a good result home. I was expecting a win, but it's unfortunate we couldn't get a win. But a draw, thank God. Uh, this is a character of a good team. Okay, we went a go down and we came back, fought and got a draw. I'm impressed and 
could. Is Hasselbock still in the title race? Yes, of course. We have, uh, let me say, 39 points more. So if you just imagine 39 points, we can still win it. Yes, uh, that's uh, David Oklo there. And, and just news coming in is the Diana Stars, uh, they have appointed Evans Adote as the club's new technical director, and he returns to the side that he was with uh, even the 2013, 2015, even 2017 season where he helped them to win uh, the FA Cup. Thank you very much, Ms. Bao. Now, he was a king of Ga people at the time the capital town of the Gold Coast was moved from Cape Coast to Accra in, 17, in 1877. He refused to help the British capture the golden stool of the Ashanti people. He was exiled to Elmina for three years, but the Gaas refused to replace him. He is Manchetakiteria, uh, but what do young Gaas know about their kin? In today's Ghana Man series, Studio Governor has the rest of the story. In the heart of Makola sits the statue of Manchetakitaria, overlooking the Rollins Park in Accra. Historians have described him as an illustrious king of the Gan people. But what do young Gan people know about this prominent king? I sampled some views. I don't know much about him, but I know he moved guns from Ayawaso to the coast. I'm sorry, but I don't know anything about the king. There you have it. Disappointing, isn't it? So, I bring you some history about a king loved and revered by his people. I will tell the story with the help of historian at the Asrim Manche Palace, Reverend Dr. Jesse Ankra, King Takitaria felt the British were deceitful, so he vowed never to cooperate with them. The British wanted to capture the golden stool of the Ashantis. They wanted Mante Takitaria to contribute men to fight the Ashantis, but he refused. And now you want to go into somebody's kingdom, using him as the king of Accra, to enter into Ashanti and take the Ashanti spirit he said, no, you will not permit that. To the Gold Coast governor, Sir Frederick Hodgson described him as an uncooperative king. So he was exiled to Elmina from November 1880 to March 1883. They kept him there, hoping and trusting that a new king would be put in place instead of King Takitaiwa. Well, learning a bit more about my own culture as a Ghana man myself. And talking about uh, the Ghana uh, people, uh, there's a story on the top story on this. And many of you share your thoughts. And this one from uh, NS in Taifa says, Evans Gaman chair and a, and a lawyer equal to uh, got it all wrong. Have they forgotten that the Honorable Mike Okwey uh, was appointed the Speaker of Parliament? Uh, equal to was appointed as ambassador. So they credit Akufado government as well. Uh, your thought there on the social media and on What's up to be specific? Up next is that's my opinion. If Diogo Diazambuja arrived today, dot 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 do, as they say, uh, you want to stay with uh, Nanan Sakwa. Only Nanan Sakwa can couch a topic like that. Uh, stay with him. Mm-hmm.